Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. Happy Friday. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. We have got a great show in store. But before we get started, I wanted to let you know something fun and meaningful going on with one of our amazing partners, CAP. So you may or may not be aware of this, but September is Hunger Awareness Month, and we are excited to join with our friends at Christian Appalachian Project, who you always hear me call CAP, for their annual Hunger Walk. For just $2.40 a day, CAP can provide three meals for a hungry child or a senior living in isolation. That is just $0.80 cents per meal, y'all. In CAP's service area, one in four children experience is food insecurity, but we can help. So visit christianapp.org slash hungerwalk21 to create your own online fundraiser that you can share with family and friends. Every dollar makes a difference. Thousands of children in Appalachia go without nutritious meals regularly. Living in constant hunger hurts their ability to grow and diminishes their capacity to learn and leaves them afraid and ashamed. This suffering has a lifelong effect on far too many boys and girls, which is why I'm so proud that we get to play a role in helping our neighbors. You're invited to lace up your tennis shoes and have your own cap hunger walk wherever you live. Join me in fighting hunger and feeding hope. Be sure to snap a picture and post it on Facebook or Instagram with the hashtag HungerWalk21. I know I will be doing that. And this year's Hunger Walk is sponsored by Texas Roadhouse. So please join us and visit christianapp.org slash hungerwalk21. Again, that's christianapp.org slash hungerwalk21. Today on the show is my good buddy, Steve Carter. Steve is a pastor, a speaker, an author, a podcaster. He's the host of the Craft and Character podcast and co-host of the Home Team podcast, one of my favorite sports podcasts. He's an itinerant preacher and teacher for churches, conferences, events, camps, and retreats all over the country. And his new book, The Thing Beneath the Thing, is going to mess you up in all the best ways. It helps us discern those things in our lives that keep us from living out the joy, peace, and purpose God created us for. And he's helping us in the process of healing lies in our own lives. Oh, I just love him. And in true Steve fashion, he showed up not only with all his amazing wisdom, but as a man of his word, because he lost a bet with me over a year ago. (laughs) He showed up in full Vanderbilt baseball uniform and made us laugh harder than we have in a long time. Cannot wait for y'all to get to know this guy. So here's my conversation with Steve Carter. Okay. Steve Carter, how is this your first time on the pod? We're going. How is this your first time? That doesn't make any sense. Is I, that true? It is true. It's true. Yeah. First time. And this this place is unbelievable. Oh, You've done a, your team has done an amazing job. I mean, Thank you guys you are just correcting it. Was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah. No, team. no, no, no. It's amazing. <laughs> just, it's, it looks, it's fantastic. You're so. kind. And let's tell everybody you showed up in a full Vanderbilt baseball uniform. Yeah, I even though you're not a Vanderbilt baseball fan at all. No, no not 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 even close. Uh-oh. Um and I I appreciate the team. They're really good, but 2019 you and I made a friendly wager <laughs> and that wager was both of us our teams were playing each other in the College World Series. Yes, and, and your team is Michigan. Michigan and I was confident. I was yes. very confident we won the first game and you came back and won the last two. And yeah. so 2 years later I'm paying up <laughs> on my debt. And I just felt like I couldn't come in with just a Vandy yeah, shirt. No. I felt like two years later. Because I said shirt. I think the bet was I would have to wear a Michigan shirt. You'd yep. have to wear a Vandy shirt. And you came in a full baseball outfit. Full baseball. Yeah. Full yeah. costume. Yeah. yeah. Fully costumed for My today. Uber driver did not know what to do with me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he, was like, he was like, who are you? And I'm yeah. like, uh, <laughs> yeah, Vander- Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. So. Why are you in town? Uh, so came in and just had a couple meetings. And then obviously oh, 
uh, put this together w- with with you. And I was like, to do this live right. with you, I was like, yes. this is going to be amazing. Tell me why it matters to you to invest in church staffs. Yeah, I, I think they're so much uh, pouring out for these leaders. And especially in this season, like right now, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much ache, so much pain. And we need these church leaders to do well. We need them to uh, just feel inspired and reminded that what they do matters. And just the invitation that, you know, Pastor Kevin invited me out, I was just like, for sure. We've been in a couple cohorts together. And I'll tell you what, that guy, he has a way to take a a passage of scripture that he's like prayed about and then give it to you. And you're like, how did you know? You know, and yeah. so so he's spoken into my life and the opportunity to go speak into the staff uh, was, a, was an easy no-brainer. Yeah. Talk to me about serving a place that you considered being your place. I just think there's something really interesting about being like, this isn't mine to hold, but it's mine to help. Right. Here was a church that leaned in that just said, all right, we're going to till the soil and then we're going to see what God does. And mm-hmm. it's just the beauty of new life that is coming out of Crosspoint. And it's an important church and um, with incredible, like kingdom-minded, spirit-led leaders. And yeah. it's been fun to kind of be able to speak that prophetic word back into them yeah. years ago and now come uh, years later to spend some Man, time I with them. I hope you'll tell that story at staff retreat. Yeah, that's actually good. I, I didn't think about that, but I'll definitely will. I'll I mean, like, I think God and I talk a lot about gardens particularly right now yeah. for things I'll tell you when we're not on microphones. Yeah. But I were talking a lot about gardens and and about uh, you can't move a garden. If you move a garden, it dies. That's right. A garden has to stay and plant and let, have time to turn over and do some things. And and so anytime the Lord brings a garden analogy to me, I, I mark it yeah. in my head. So that is really good for me. And that is what our church has done. You and I have both, I will not say been wounded by the church because it hasn't been the church. It's been people. Right, right. We've both been hurt by people through a, and I I mean, I had a really bad experience with a pastor about a decade ago before I was at Crosspoint here in Nashville. And you've had bad experience with pastors. You write about it and the thing beneath the thing and- and I'd lived it with you. Yes, you were you were the day. I literally we, lived we, it with there, you. There, there's a there is a with Ira Glass, which yes, still with Ira <laughs> Glass. We have to talk about this. Yes. Oh go. my goodness! I I there's moments that some days I wake up and I was like, <laughs> I I'm just waiting when I open up my podcast that it's going to be this American Life, the story of Willow Creek. And he down. Put money on it. I bet he would. I, I always think it because he was watching. He was watching. Oh, he, he was watching. He was, we texted. We still randomly will say yeah. hi to each other. You, yeah. I think you yep. speak yep. to him still yep. too. And I'm always like, we, I'm one text away from him going, will you hop on your microphone and tell me about that day? Uh, only because I was there the day that I was at Willow Creek with you the day that articles came out about the former pastor. And so the, I I said to the my team, they were like, have you and Steve been friends for a long time. I was like, we have like a trauma bond (laughs) (laughs) over that day. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So we're very committed to each other in friendship over a trauma bond, but you haven't quit on the church. And so many of us, when, and I thought about it, I mean, when I had a bad experience a decade ago, I thought about going like, these dudes who lead these places suck. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry to say that. Yeah. Why do you still love the church? Why You've experienced leaders who suck. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think you named it. It wasn't the church who did this to me. Mm-hmm. It was five people. Mm-hmm. So my work is to learn because forgiveness is a solo sport. And Say so it again. Forgiveness is? A solo sport. A solo sport. So I, I have to work on 
forgiving the five people. That's, but that, that doesn't constitute the entire idea that God had when he dreamed up the church. That's so healthy, so, Steve. So for me, it's like I have to work on forgiveness. I pray for the day of reconciliation. I don't know if that day will ever come, but my work is this. And sometimes what's hard is both you and I in our teaching roles and capacities as pastors and leaders, like we we represent the church, mm-hmm. but like I, I I will hurt somebody. Oh, I you know what someone I mean? told me very recently yeah. how my leadership had hurt them. Right. And, and I so, thought I'm the person. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know I'm the leader who sucks. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And so that's that's kind of the the even at the heartbeat of the book is just trying to go, how do I how do I become more aware of why I do what I do mm-hmm. so that I can not hurt as many people. And the and the more influence you get or the more opportunities you get or the more people you get the privilege to pastor and shepherd, the more potential you have to hurt someone, yeah. let someone down. And so so I think for me, that's the, I've been hurt by the church, but I've, I've just tried to reframe it saying, no, I've been hurt by a few people and the church has been really, really good to me. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And it oh, was- I didn't know that. Yeah. So it was the church who- kind of brought me in. It was the church who, it was leaders within the church who saw something in me that I couldn't even see in me, but I trusted those people's perspective and view of me more than I trusted my own view of me. Mm-hmm. So I go, there's a there's a pain and privilege, and wow. I feel like, yeah, I, I, I got hurt, and I'm, I'm doing my work, but I also got a lot of blessing and opportunity, yeah. and thanks be to God for that, too. Yeah. The thing beneath the thing. Uh, let me tell you a thing that happened yesterday. We had a, we found a coffee mug in the fri- in oh. the um, microwave. Okay. And we pulled it out because we thought it was someone else's, one of our staff girls. So I said to her, is that your coffee? And someone else on staff went and put it away, and he said, the question behind the question. And I was like, oh, no, we weren't doing that. Like, we weren't being manipulative. But but, but it's the same thing, right? I, he thought my question behind the question was, why didn't you put away your coffee mug? Right. I, we genuinely thought it was her coffee. <laughs> so so it was, that was it. But the question behind the question, yep. what do you really mean? The thing beneath the thing. Yep. Steve, I mean, you have, this book is like messed me up oh. because there's always a thing beneath the thing. That's right. How do we, how do we find it? How yeah. do we find it? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because Paul says in Romans 7, 15, two sentences. You know, the first one is, I do not understand what I do. Yeah. Uh, which I, I love to quote scripture. But if I if I use that with my wife, hey, <laughs> sorry, I, I don't understand what I did. I don't know. Uh, I don't have idea what I do. <laughs> it, it doesn't work. Right. The second sentence is very human. The good I want to do, I just don't do. The thing I hate, I do. Yeah. And I think every 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 one of your listeners can relate to that. A moment where like, why did I say that? Yeah. Why did I think that? Why why did I allow that anger fantasy to take over? And what I came to realize was, every day we are getting triggered. And and that that negativity, that energy, that that those moments from the past that start just to rise up, mm-hmm. they have to go somewhere. But what if we could have courageous curiosity and go, why am I getting triggered in the first place by this? Mm-hmm. And realizing that God in his infinite kindness actually wants to heal every part of us. And those triggers are just pictures and places and wounds and trauma and stories that we just either have not made the time or have just not been aware. And I'm just trying to help people go, what triggers you? And then what's underneath that? Because mm. if you can be allow grace into that, it will prevent a just a, a world of pain, not just for yourself, but for also for others. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people read that verse and they think of 
they think of the sin in their life. They don't think of the healing that they need. Right. 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 Because that's what I think of more. I don't think, oh, why? I, I'm not as compassionate towards myself when something happens like that. But you're do, you're saying that really the thing beneath the thing is an invitation to be a good friend to yourself. It, it's, it's 100 that. And I, for me, I remember coming home. I was a, a pastor in California. There was a, a person who in a meeting just minimized and just yeah. their tone. And I was frustrated. And I came back to, to Sarah, my wife, and I was like, trying to get a little spousal backup and support. <laughs> and she had none of it. She just looked at me and she said, isn't God so kind? I read that. I uh, died when she said that. Isn't God kind? You're like, sis, yeah, that's I'm not like, what I'm here no, for. Yeah. I, need, I need you to like partake in a little like mm-hmm. spousal gossip about this person. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, help yeah. me out a little bit. And and she, she, just, she just was like, I'm like, why is God so kind? And she just said, because this person reminds you of someone who deeply wounded you. Mm-hmm. And until you have that courageous curiosity to honor that truth, this part of your story is going to hold your life in check. Yeah. And you're going to continue to find ways to escape or villainize or think less thoughts of yourself until you can actually be a good friend to yourself and go, what's underneath that? Yeah. What's beneath that? What, what, oh, that, that person reminded me of this person who deeply wounded me. Mm-hmm. And until I honor that truth, God's just going to keep just bringing opportunities and invitations to, to get well. Yeah. I want to know why you love the Bible so much. You didn't grow up in a Christian home, so you didn't grow up singing songs like uh, yeah. like a lot of us did growing up and like just being having Bible drills in middle school. <laughs> right, right. So throughout The Thing Beneath the Thing, you tell really beautiful Bible stories. Like you retell them so beautifully, which is why you're so gifted in teaching as well. But why do you love the Bible so much? Well, I think there's, you know, always this huge debate over is the Bible inerrant? Is the Bible inspired? And I do. I, I agree with that. I, I like I, I see it as it is, but I don't think we think enough about how it continues to inspire today. Huh. And so I, I find myself loving the privilege I have to preach. And anytime I study the text, I love the opportunity to ask questions of the text because there's so much you can mine, so much you can discover. But in our quiet time or in the time that I have alone with God in the, in the text, I allow it to ask questions of my life mm. and the ways in which I feel like God has just broken parts of my story open and just provided healing, provided opportunities for grace, provided moments of just like, I couldn't have forced that to happen. I just know that there's so much depth and so much richness and so much goodness in this book. And I just need it. It grounds me. Yeah. It reminds me. It, yeah. it compels me. It convicts me. It rebukes me. It teaches me. And it really trains me to be the fullest version of myself. And so uh, I, I love the text. Uh, I think it just helps illuminate what Jesus wants to do in us. What does your prayer life look like? Yeah. So I have a kind of a prayer pilgrimage. I do most mornings. <gasps> I love this. Keep going. Okay. So um, so there's an old, I start um, with the thing called a, the the welcome prayer. Okay. And it was it was by Father Thomas Keating and Mary Morowski. Uh-huh. I totally butchered her last name. But it basically is helping me get aware of my feelings. And so I, I welcome everything that comes my way because I Do know you it's, sit in the same chair? Uh, typically or okay. a hike. Okay. Uh, right now, because it's so hot in Phoenix, yeah. I, I'm sitting in the same chair. Yeah. But typically if I'm at home and it's winter, I'm used, I, sometimes I walk and I hike. I do better when I'm like moving. Me too. Yeah, it's just I, I feel like there's something that unlocks in me. So this prayer is about just becoming aware of what you're feeling, 
letting go of like trying to find security or achieve and opening up to God's presence and power and love. And then from there, I just kind of free write or free speak just in the sense of the question, where are you when God asked the man and the woman? And so I just write. And it's kind of from like Julia Cameron when she talks about free writing. I don't share it with anybody. There's no governor. It's not going to ever be a chapter in a book. It's just me trying to be intentional with why did that happen yesterday? Mm -hmm. I'm still like carrying that frustration around, right? I I feel shame about something I said and ah. And so I just like, I just try to get that out. And then from there, I have a list. Uh, There's a great pastor in Florida named Tyler Burns. And he, he talks about like, I am and I am not. And I just, he, he told me that maybe a few months ago. And I've just been doing that every day. This is who I am and this is who I'm not. So I just write that. And then I go through a few different environments. Um, and it's a little bit like a prayer of examine, but yeah. if you think of like the Hebrew story with the people being in Egypt, um, it was a place of oppression and struggle. And and I just write in the last 24 hours, where did I feel tempted? Where did I feel struggle? Where did I just feel like the, the enemy coming after me? Mm. I just write or kind of uh, type that out on my phone. And then God leads the people and he takes them to Mount Sinai and he meets them. And in the last 24 hours, where did God meet me? That might be through a text, that might be through a friend, that might be through a song, might be through creation. And then kind of in Spider-Man theology, he takes these (laughs) former slaves to Jerusalem. And in in the past 24 hours, where have I been responsible and irresponsible with unique gifts, talents, and opportunities that God's given to me? I just write about that. Hebrew people were irresponsible, so they go into exile, they go to Babylon. And from that point, I go, okay what do I need to do next? And the Bob Marley psalmist, you know, just saying, by the rivers of Babylon, we cried as we remembered Zion. And I Mm. think in the next 24 hours, what's the next best right step? Do I need to ask this person for clarity? Do I need to forgive this person? And then kind of in the center, I just draw a little cross with like a a circle at the bottom representing that the the ground is level for all of us. But if I'm going to carry this cross, what do I need to let go of? And some of it's my anger, some of it's my sadness, some of it's my fear, some of it's just uh, control. And so I write that down. And then there's another like piece of paper that's typically, or I just envision like a blank canvas. And I just, I, I think about two pieces. One is where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Mm. And I just go, what's that, what's that mantra? What's that vision? What's that, that picture? And so um, right now it's been kind of this, this phrase, a life anchored in Christ or a life anchored in Jesus is one that has nothing to prove, nothing to lose and nothing to hide. Nothing to prove, nothing to lose, nothing to hide. Yeah. And wow. so, so that's just been something I keep saying. So then, and then in Dallas Willard language, vision, intention, and means you have a vision and now I can live with intention as all the 35,000 choices come my way. Yeah. Am I going to try and prove here? Am I going to try and hide and pretend? Am I going to act in a way of scarcity or no? I mean, uh, scarcity and abundance, I, come I have to talk to myself about that all the time. Yeah. And me, and, and I think probably people are like, you do? You know, like, no way. And like the same thing for me as well. Like I, it's just somehow by the osmosis of maybe growing up in Southern California, that was the air I breathed. Mm. And so part of it is just unlearning that and learning yeah. to trust God's healing and God's sanctifying grace. And so, and then... um that's kind of what I do most mornings. It's, you know, uh, in some hike or uh, an in a chair. Uh, probably about 35, 40 minutes. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I just think we love here hearing people, how different everyone's mm-hmm. rhythms are. Yep. It, it helps when you feel like a quiet, quote, quote, quiet time, which I hate that phrase. <laughs> if a quiet time is supposed to look like this, but then we hear everybody's looks so different. Yours right. is so intentional and mm-hmm. so methodical. Yeah. That's the word. It's so methodical. Well, I think for me, I, I've struggled at kind of gaining access to my feelings. Huh. Uh, I think I could live in content, live in ideas, live yeah. in like out there or the future. 
I think the real work for me, uh, I, I think it was Neil Armstrong that was interviewed once and someone said, uh, what's the farthest journey that you've ever been on? And the journalist was like trying to lead him to talk about going to the moon. And he simply said, oh, it was 18 inches, taking what I know in my brain down mm, to my heart. To heart. And I, I think that's the the piece that I've really been trying to just kind of get more intentional with, like my sadness or my disappointment or my expectations and that, and my counselor will just say that's just premeditated resentment, but like just trying to be intentional with that, you <laughs> Ashley, know? Mine number two here, my <laughs> COO, my staff boss, Ashley, Ashley says that too. Yeah. And so I think, I think the more that I can be aware of that mm -hmm. instead of it like subconsciously driving me, yeah, I think be conscious of it and then bring it before Christ and bring it before the spirit, bring it before God's love. Like I just, I found more healing in that yeah. for me personally. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about another one of our incredible partners, Liquid IV. It's one of my goals for my team and for the team when we go out on tour that we're becoming healthier versions of ourselves all the time, like prioritizing rest and having wise spiritual rhythms and being good to our bodies. Making hydration a priority helps us feel healthier on a day-to-day -day basis and fuels us to work hard at the things we get to do. That's why Liquid IV is part of my and most of my team's daily routines. One stick of Liquid IV in my water bottle hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. It's non-GMO, vegan, and free of gluten, dairy, and soy, which all makes me happy because that's all clean. And the flavors. I mean, I like plain water fine, but when I can have all the extra hydration and it tastes like lemon, lime, or strawberry, yes, please. As if all that wasn't enough, Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world, and I just love their heart for that. They're donating over 4 million servings in response to COVID-19 with donations to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. I know, they're the best. So grab your Liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code THATSOUNDSFUN at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you get better hydration today using promo code THATSOUNDSFUN at liquidiv.com. And now back to our conversation with Steve. Right when, not right when, but soon after you left Willow Creek, you wrote a book. Yes. And we were talking a lot in about that. And then it never came out. Yep. And then you wrote this one. Yep. Tell me that story. Tell me why this is the book we're reading. Why are we reading The Thing Beneath the Thing instead yep. of what you wrote last time? Yeah, I think... If you want to talk about it. You no. know, say, Annie, shut up. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I appreciate you asking, honestly. Uh, I think when as I started to reflect on what was really going on, there was so much that people didn't know. And my social media was being blown up. And, you know, there were there were things that were being said, like, you're a coward. You abandoned us. You you left us. And and from people within the church. And and honestly, like, I, you have to work really hard to translate people's uh, angst. But I, but I also knew that they, they felt safe enough to tell me how they felt. Yeah. So I received that, but it was hard for me. And yes. I, I felt the, the parts of me were like, if they only knew, if they only knew. And I got away and I, I felt like I had some mentors just say, just, you need to write it out. Just write, just so you have it. And so just did that. And you wrote a book in like a weekend. Yeah, I, it was it was pretty it was pretty crazy. It was, it was really fast. Crazy. You and texted you're like I'm gonna write, and then you're like I wrote. I, wrote. <laughs> I was like Steve. 
and, and I think, you know, some of it was speaking into a recorder. Some of it was just like, I, I just, I, it was such a passion for me because I, I wanted people to know what happened. Mm -hmm. And then as I started to really kind of get to the thing beneath the thing, I think I wanted people, um, when I started to hear phrases like that, some people on staff are saying, as someone would leave a meeting, don't Carter me. And Steve. I, I just, I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't control the narrative. I couldn't, I couldn't get the thing I thought that people would see or recognize or do. They, 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 they couldn't because the whole story wasn't out. And I just felt like too much of the, the reasoning behind it was me trying to tell my story mm. and trying to help these women understand like what they did was brave and help the congregation understand what really happened. And I just, as I stepped back, I was like, this is, this is a little too much image management mm. and I hate it even admitting it. And this is uh, a little too much of me trying to just uh, get the truth out. And, and I just, I, th I think as I really prayed about it, I realized I have way more to grieve. And I wow. have way more to, and so I think uh, there were days I wanted to release it, but I think at the end of the day, just the, I didn't want to add fuel to the fire um, and be a part of the collateral damage. I just, I just wanted to step back and go, you gotta, you gotta work on you and you, you like, let's, and so that was really helpful because it solidified three values for Sarah and me. One was, I wanted to get well. Mm -hmm. Two, we wanted to make sure that our kids were well, our family was well. And then three, we wanted to create beautiful things. Mm -hmm. And that, that's, that became the focus rather than everybody needs to know, this mm -hmm. is how it went down. This mm -hmm. is da, 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 da. Like at, at the end of the day, like that story probably is going to be told. It's not my story to tell. I don't need to be the one that tells it. Somebody else can tell it, but like I. Christianity Today seems to be going after <laughs> that's, that's, some of these stories. Yeah, so. totally, totally, you know. So <laughs> Who knows? yeah, so that's that's kind of the heartbeat. And so I think though, what began to kind of emerge was this phrase: "The thing beneath the thing" has been something I've you know said yes. in Michigan, in Fullerton, uh, in at Willow, and for me, it just I had to ask myself like, okay, if you were willing to do this. What was really going on? What was the thing beneath the thing? Exactly. And it was my sadness. Wow. And it was, I lost the job I loved. I lost the people I loved. I lost an area that I loved. But like, okay, let's connect it to something else. Let's talk about mm. that. And let's let's invite this good, good father into the conversation and grace that I actually think really wants to make us whole and holy and spiritually healthy instead of just talking about it, but yeah. being motivated by shame or fear or anger. But let's let's actually live what we keep preaching about. I I think about our friends listening who have had a really painful experience and they want to write about it. <laughs> Talk about how what the healing was in just writing it even if no one reads it. Yeah, I would I would encourage people to write it. Yeah. Now publish it. That's a that's 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 a whole, that's different a whole other conversation. Yeah. But to get it out mm -hmm. to take the governor off Mm -hmm. to take the editor, the internal editor off and just get really, really comfortable with the sadness, yeah. with the pain, with the ache. Again, because we, we know this, if we don't deal with that, we're going to transfer it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, 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 every time we react, we're just reenacting the past. And so wow. the more that we can literally find ourselves diving in to say, man, for my, for my kids, 
for my friends, mm-hmm. for, for the relationships that matter most, I'm, my life's going to be held in check. And this person who wounded me, it will be a constant holding my light. There will be power ties yes. until I do my work to say, no more, no more. Yeah. Like, but I can only do that by going through the desert, by just sitting in moments where you feel deserted, you feel alone, you don't feel like anybody's got your back. You just, you, you have to go through that. And then, you know, it's amazing how God led us to Phoenix, but even just the, the mythology of Phoenix, like rising up, like just yeah. going, just this stripping away, this, this pre- preparing us for what's next, this stirring, there's something that that process is really, really human and beautiful. Yeah. Do you see God in things like the Phoenix tie? Do you see him? Cause I'm like, real charismatic in my soul. Yeah, 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 and yeah, so yeah. anything like that, that feels like one of the ways God loves me Yeah, is by letting me see him show up and things like that. Did you feel that when y'all moved to Phoenix? Definitely. Well, I mean, the way that we got to Phoenix, I mean, I, I remember just waking up in the middle of the night and just kind of felt this impression upon my spirit, like where God was saying, go to the desert and wait for instructions. And I was thinking like uh, metaphorical. Moses, yeah. yeah, exactly. I was like, all right, we're moving to Biloxi or like <laughs> yeah. Shreveport or, you know, I, I don't, I don't know where we're right. headed, but I, as I got up that like probably three, three thirty, I grabbed my journal and I just start like writing. And I think in my mind, I was, I kind of was built on this mentality of everything's up and to the right. Yeah. So what was better than Chicago? Okay. And I started thinking about these cities and I felt like God just said, you can't grieve your way out. You can't achieve your way out of this. You can only grieve your way through it. And oh I my gosh, you can't achieve your way out of this. You can only grieve your way through it. And I didn't have muscles for grieving. I had muscles for achieving. Yes. So the next morning, um, I'm making coffee for Sarah. And Sarah just, I kind of share with her what, what I had felt like I had heard and experienced. And she just teared up and she said, um, I've been sensing the same thing. I just want to go home. Mm-hmm. And she's from Arizona. And so I was like, okay, we're moving to Arizona. Yeah. And so to move there... Uh, to a place where it's hot to, yeah. and I just, I started reading all the desert mothers and fathers, yeah. any books that I could get on, you know, and Eugene Peterson talks about this, like your topography is your theology. Like it shapes it, it shapes and forms your, your theology. I've you never know? heard that. Yeah, your just like. topography the, is your theology. Yeah, just like it, it, and you know, you go to the the Holy Land and they'll talk about like, um, you know, there's five gospels, which now sounds heretical, but hear me, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the land. And once mm. you've experienced the land, the other four make sense. Yes, As, that, is, that was it, true for me. Exactly. You know, yeah. so so it's a sense of like, okay, this place, this space, like is meaningful for your spiritual formation and mm-hmm. development. And so I've just been trying to learn as much as I can because everything in my life and everything in my spirit has been try to bypass the desert. Mm-hmm. And you realize mm-hmm. as you flip to the scriptures, we're desert people. Mm-hmm. It's character school. It's yes. character formation. And so for me, that's getting in touch with the pain. And so if, you, if you've been hurt, like whether in a relationship, whether with a church, whether with a leader, first hear me, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And But don't be afraid of those emotions. Um, sit with them surrender them, be honest with them, be human. But I, I getting in touch with them uh, has been a, a real gift for me. Yeah. They, who, when you say desert mothers and fathers, who should we read that we're not reading? Who does that mean? Ooh, that's a really good question. Thank you. My dad loves when people say that. I know. <laughs> um, I, so I, I started reading a ton of Thomas Merton. I know okay. that's probably like yeah. not necessarily like a desert father per se. There's a whole bunch of older ones, but I felt like it was the easiest one to kind of like get into yes, yes. with some of the, the the thoughts and the feelings and um, just the awareness, you, you get to some of the these desert mothers and fathers and like 
you're like, man, their their view on sin, their view on stability, their view yeah. on like life. Some of it was like, man, this is this is such a different reality. But I learned so much about holiness. Mm. I learned so much about uh, sanctification. Words that in my context and the church that I've been a part of had been almost like pushed to the side. Yeah, we don't talk about those very much. Right, yeah. right. And so I think just trying to bring those back, and that's that, that was even the heart of the book, is like trying to get people to understand what sanctifying grace is all about, mm-hmm. um, to help people see like, this is actually good for our souls. It's yeah. good for our being. It's good for our bodies. It's good for our yeah. mind and our hearts. Yeah. I have a friend who calls it salty grace. Yes. I love that. I thought, man, that feels, when he said that to me, I thought that feels so true. Yes. That grace never feels like Smooth. Yeah. That's to right. me. That's right. It always feels grainy and yep. and challenging and yep. it's so hard. Yeah, because grace grace will find you. And uh-huh. that's usually what we preach. But the truth is grace is gonna find you out. Uh, and grace right. will be relentless in trying to help right. you become whole, holy, and spiritually healthy. Yes. And but we I think those those second and third versions of grace is on us to receive that mm-hmm. and welcome that and invite mm-hmm. that in. But for many of us, we're like, I just, I just want to get to heaven. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't want that right now. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So. I, and, I, and I just want it to stop hurting. Exactly. I want exactly. everything here to stop hurting. Yeah. What you say, the interesting thing about us being desert people, uh, I was sitting with, um, walking with an engaged couple to their marriage. And so we're reading a book together and kind of talking through it. And we talked about quitting last night. And I said, you know, actually the Bible, like God doesn't ever tell people to quit hardly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It is almost always stay, stay, do, 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 you know, like keep asking, keep seeking the persistent widow, like, because yep. we were discussing particularly for them, their commitment. Yeah. But because the Bible is just so clear that we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. I mean, the, the Bible never kidded us yeah. that this was going to be easy or that we should, or that we should give up on faith. Yeah. It was always like, no. Stay with faith, and this will. And being a human is hard. Totally, totally. Right. Well, and and I think you know the old adage of wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. So that so all of the the issues and trauma and the pain, the problems, they're going to follow you. Yeah. Right. Until you honor its truth, right? And I, I remember being with a rabbi in Israel once, and just saying, okay, Egypt, the desert, the promised land. This seems like a, a pretty prominent metaphor. Yes. Like for your life. Right. For, for the average human's life, how right. much time do you spend in Egypt? How much time do you spend in the desert or wilderness? How much time do you spend in the promised land? And his answer was so funny. He just said, you Americans are so funny. Like, <laughs> you think all of your life is going to be the promised land. Like we, 10 to 15%, we think Egypt, 10 to 15% is yeah. in, the, in the promised land. We think we pass through e- um, Egypt in the wilderness and just are, no. Exactly. And he's like 70, 80% is in the uh-huh. desert. So so that was such a reframing thing of like how do you become more comfortable in the reality of the stripping away uh-huh. in the in the Deuteronomy 8 of being aware of the places where our heart has been shaped more by Pharaoh than by God's goodness and right, grace. Right, right. So talk to our friends who feel like they are right in the wilderness and they want out. They want out. Yes. I I would say we have taught people uh tweetable phrases, yeah. you know, and, and, and a formation of like discipleship because you can't microwave spiritual formation. It takes time. Yes. And so a simple truth of, you know, God is with me. I could say that. And then you find yourself being surprised. You didn't see something coming, the betrayal, the abandonment, the, the way that you thought your life was going to be. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden you just got uppercut and yeah. it, you just didn't see it. And now you have to go, is God with me here? Yeah 
in the desert, in the deserted place, in the forsaken place. But when you can dive into the depths of your heart, your mind, your past, your soul, and you experience that he is with you yeah. and he's for you, that simple phrase has gone through the struggle and now becomes profoundly sacred. And so wow. you start to say, God is with me. It, it, it's not some tweetable phrase. It is like a part. It is like a like a stone you carry that you are building an altar. Like, And the more that we collect over our life, the more of these stories of faith that we have that we go, yes, it's God met me here and God met me here and God met me here and God met me here. And I just say, if you're in this, one, one other thing I would say is a great bottle of wine takes 12 years. So, so you might be year three of this, and that's where I'm at personally. And, and at year three on a vine, you're just beginning to bear fruit. Wow. So like, so often as I'd sit with couples when I was pastoring, you know, in a local church, and I'd just say, this is going to be a great bottle of wine someday. Yeah. Just, you just got to give it time. Yeah. You just like keep the remain thing, the main thing, keep remaining and abiding and make your home in Christ. I promise you, he's not going to desert you, but just know this is going to work out. Yeah. This is going to be a great bottle of wine if you allow the process to do what the process needs to do. Yeah. Um, but if you take a shortcut, like writing a book like I wanted to do, or you take a shortcut where you're trying to push those feelings away, you just you just spend a longer time in the desert. I mean, the Hebrew people were 40 days away from the promised land. That ruins my life. And it took them 40 years. 40 years. Yeah. That is, that is the Ugh. human story. So like the work that, and God's so kind that he's going to keep giving us opportunities and he's going to slow it down yep. so that we can like actually be ready for what is in store for us. Yes. So. Yes. I think about that 40 day, 40 year journey. I'm like, a, I love the numbers kind of stuff too. And so I just think, tell somebody like, what's something we could pray for 40 days or what's something like if we're right in the middle of the wilderness and we want out, it doesn't matter if that's God's plan. We can still ask for that, but you know. God's going to, because he's kind, Yes, he's going to do what's right for us yes. over what we want, yes. is what I've learned in my 41 <laughs> years. Um, this is supposed to be my year into the promised land, Steve. If you'll just note, I'm 41. Talk about a 40-day prayer journal journey here. Is yeah. there something people can do? I'm springing that on you. I hope that no, you No, out. no, that, no, not at all. Well, I mean, I, th I think... I think Deuteronomy 8 is really, really powerful because here in this passage, he's kind of talking about what the desert will do. Mm. And so and so much of the desert is unlearning. Mm -hmm. So the Hebrew people had to recognize that God is nothing like Pharaoh. Yeah. So there's unlearning that has to happen that, hey, you don't have to work seven days a week. Yeah. You can have sa Sabbath. Your identity is not in what you produce. You're, so there's, there's unlearning. So for me, part of the desert experience has been what were truths that I thought were gospel, uh -huh. that were, act it's almost like uh, Genesis 3, did I really say? Yeah. Like, yeah, who told yeah. you that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and so I realized there were parts that I uh -huh. had thought, this is what makes you um, healthy. And then the other thing is in Deuteronomy 8, it talks about humility, obedience, and testing. And so I would just, I would say, okay, God, wh what are you trying to, to teach me in this season? Mm -hmm. um, and what does obedience look like? It means to listen and respond quickly. Like how, what am I hearing from you? And then in the, in the test, the test is, am I going to want to go back to the familiar yes. or am I going to trust you in the unfamiliar and trust yes. you in the refining, trust you in the shaping and trust you in the forming? So I think for me, it would be, I'm not necessarily like a, four, like a 40 day breakdown, but something maybe each week where I would think about what do I need to unlearn for a week? Mm. What does humility look like? 
what's preventing me from obedience, and what are the tests that God has before me, all anchored in probably a few breath prayers. And one of them for me has been, let the Lord surprise you. Ah, oh, wow. And God has surprised me in this season. He surprised yeah. me with friendships. He surprised me with kindness. He surprised me with uh, recognizing the parts of me that he still is like going, hey, we're going to work on this. Yeah. We're going to work on this. So, yeah. yeah. I don't think, I hope this isn't a surprise to you, but I would think, I would say from the outside watching versus like living in your house with y'all, the outside as your friend watching, the Lord has given you incredible influence mm. over pastors. Wow. Have you seen that? I mean, it feels like what would have been walking away from the place where you'd have the most influence yeah. has ended up giving you un- uncountable influence because you're mentoring pastors. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's like it's weird because I get a little emotional um, because, you know, on August 5th, like we were together and you, you, <laughs> I blame partly you. Um, <laughs> and Ira you, Glass. Yeah, and Ira Glass. <laughs> but you, you were preaching a message the night before on being brave yeah. off of your book. And I just, 100 Days of Brave. And I just was like, oh, my goodness. And then you, you read this story. And you, you, of this woman and you're sitting there and you're like, oh my goodness. And I'm in the, I'm in that bathroom in the back office. And all I can think about is I'm done. Mm. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm be the guy that didn't show up for work. Like I'm, wow. I'm done. So I, I did not foresee this. Like I didn't foresee, I, I thought this, I, I don't know what else I'm going to do. Yeah. And so the surprise was when all these pastors started to reach out to me and just said, thank you. Yeah. And I was like, what? Like, I, again, I could not see it in that moment. All I saw was the loss. Yeah. And I saw um, friendships and congregation and city and place. I saw the loss. I didn't see... Um, what God was going to do and how he was going to restore what the locusts had taken. And so I think now putting myself in this, this, this kind of place, you know, uh, my biological father, his dad was a general for the, for West, for the army and the air force. He's buried at West Point. The West Point, West Point would teach all their new cadets, this cadets prayer. It's stunning. You should read it sometime. It's unbelievable, but there's a line in it. It just says, may we be committed to the harder right over the lesser wrong. Wow. And I think that in itself is what what people love about you. I think this is what people I saw are desperate for is people who are committed to the harder right over the lesser wrong. And I didn't know how much that would preach. Mm. I didn't know how much that and character and integrity. People just watching you do that. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. And I, I just didn't. And so I think that was people going, how? Yeah. And it was – me going, well, this is just what my mentors taught me. Yeah. This is what people just drilled in me from a young age yeah. at, in the church, you know? Yeah. So um, I think it's been surprising and humbling, scary, yeah, um, sure. and beautiful all yeah. at the same time. Um, one of the reasons we talked about the thing beneath the thing when we did our singleness podcast a couple of weeks ago is for all of us, and you you do such a beautiful job about this. I can't wait for people to read this because you literally go through triggers and potholes and masks you're wearing. I mean, you kind of like expose us in every way <laughs> and go like, well, if you, oh, if you don't have any triggers, which we all do, of course, if you don't have any triggers, well, I bet you have some potholes. Yeah. If you don't have any potholes, I bet you have some like masks you're wearing yep. to protect yourself from being known and yep. experiencing that. And so that's one of the reasons we brought it up in that particular podcast. But as I'm listening to you 
talk about this. I think, man, there are so many of our friends listening who are afraid to give up the thing that is the thing they're known for, even though it is not what God has for them anymore, possibly, even though God has something else for them, not necessarily up to the right, but he has a phoenix for them. Right. So how do you have the courage to do it? What do you, what do you say to them if they're like, oh my gosh, I'm just buying asparagus. I can't believe they're saying this. This is my moment. Well, you know, it's amazing is you get so familiar with your bitterness. <laughs> right. You get so familiar with that trauma. You get so familiar with being known as this title. Right. I mean, the way that the way that, you know, we even use the word former, you know, former NFL athlete, yeah. former lead teaching pastor at Willow Creek, former. And it's we're 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 so often defined by these formers, even if we're not mm. speaking them, but we're just holding on to them. Yes. And they're literally holding you back. Wow. Like, like the only thing we have control over is right here and right now. And how we spend right here and right now yeah. prepares us for what God has in store for us. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I would just say it might feel like there's no way forward. Mm. But the goodness of God is there is. There is, and he will work it out. He will work. I've just experienced it with incredible voices, incredible opportunities, incredible people. And it's in Dallas Wither language, grace is opposed to earning, but it's never opposed to effort. And the wow. effort it takes to say, I'm not going to be defined by this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to let this train wreck or sabotage this relationship. I'm not going to let this get in the way. I'm actually going to begin to see myself each day a little bit more as God and as Christ sees me. Mm -hmm. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation one more time to tell you about my favorite hack to save time in the kitchen and one of our amazing partners of the podcast, Green Chef. Green Chef is a USDA certified organic company that makes eating well, easy and affordable with plans to fit every kind of lifestyle. I'm here for anything that makes my life easier and healthier and eating well is easier than ever with Green Chef's satisfying home cooked dinners and options that work around your lifestyle, not the other way around. They take care of the meal planning, grocery shopping, and even some food prep, giving you more time to tackle this back-to-school season. With Green Chef, you get to choose from 30 easy-to-follow recipes every week with options for keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, and plant-based power diets, as well as meals to help you eat in a more balanced way. The honey mustard salmon, y'all, it's so delicious and paired with roasted carrots and sauteed broccoli. And my team just loves it when I bring my salmon leftovers to the office for lunch the next day. (laughs) Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well. So premium ingredients like organic veggies and high quality proteins are a given. And their expert chefs design flavorful meals that go way beyond ordinary, no matter what's on your menu. Don't stress the next time someone asks what's for dinner because Green Chef will have your back the way they have mine. Just go to greenchef.com slash that sounds fun one zero zero and use the code that sounds fun one zero zero to get a hundred dollars off including free shipping again that's greenchef.com slash that sounds fun one zero zero and use the promo code that sounds fun one zero zero for a hundred dollars off and free shipping and now back to finish up our conversation with steve where where do we go from here? Where do you go next? What happens after now the thing beneath the thing is out? You have two podcasts, Craft and Character, which is 
so extraordinary, Steve. Oh, thanks. It's such a good show. Thanks. Just like so helpful for any of us thanks. that do anything publicly at all or thanks. that are teaching anywhere. Thanks. And then the Home Team Podcast, yes. of course, yes, with yes. Uh, Sam Macho, who we love around here. So what next? What happens next for you? Yeah, you know, I think the... I did like a life plan coming out of the desert season because I was like, okay, what, what, or not coming out, coming into the desert season. Like, what am I? Literally, when y'all left Chicago, you're like, let's make a life plan. Yeah. Steve, that's a terrible time to try to do that. (laughs) But I think, I think I needed something. What am I focused on? Yeah. I didn't have a boss or a coach to tell me. And so it was like, okay, keep teaching, keep writing, keep coaching, and do something with sports. Okay. And so coaching was around communicators and pastors and mentoring and that stuff. Which is crafting character. Which is crafting character, right. And so I just think it's continuing to slowly just continue the work of healing and providing opportunities to preach, to write, to coach communicators and and just see what, almost like redream it all up again, as one of my mentors said. Just like, okay, let's see, let's see. It's going to become clear. Um, We have felt like fall of next year was the the kind of year, we're not saying it was a finish line, but it was a year that we were going to either have to stay in Phoenix because Emerson, our, our oldest, would start high school. Yeah. And I didn't want to move him in high school. Sure. So so we really feel like that is the time that we're going to put down roots either in Phoenix or somewhere yeah. else. So. Yeah. Did you have any idea when you had kids that they would look so much like you? <laughs> I mean, that Emer- is so weird. It is so weird. It's so weird. And my, I mean, so handsome and so beautiful yeah, yeah, yeah. as children. But I mean, it is you and Sarah it again. Is, Y'all made is. a you and a Sarah. It's 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 pretty wild. I mean, Emerson's got and Mercy. They both got uh, Sarah's eyes. But you know, Emerson. I mean, it's it's. Does it look like you as a kid? It does. Okay, because he does. looks like you right now. Yeah. But yeah. I didn't know if you looked like. Him. I mean, when he was really young, uh-huh. he was, I mean, he had wrinkles, gal- I mean, rolls galore. Uh-huh. I mean, and uh-huh. he, and so we, he was, he was such a cute kid with like really tight curly hair. So I didn't yeah. have that, but yeah. uh, as he is like totally gotten to middle school, like he, yeah. it, it's, it's pretty, pretty telling how much he looks like me. Oh so, my yeah. gosh. Sarah posted a picture this week of. Emerson and Mercy both laying on the couch together. Yeah. And I was like, that is actually just Steven Sarah. That is actually just a, a, a repeat, the remix totally. of the originals. I mean, it is totally. wild. Totally, totally. Yep. How are the kids doing? Yeah, I think this is, that was probably the hardest piece for us. Oh, you know, sure. um, my, our son was in fifth grade when we moved. And so, am I so Americana, living in a little neighborhood, walk to school, your yeah. best friend. And then you move, and all of a sudden we're in COVID, yeah. and and so you're online too. So I feel like in some ways Phoenix hasn't been given the best chance sure. for friendships there, but they've been really connected still with their friends back in Illinois, yeah. just through you know uh, Fortnite, Fortnite, all those. Yeah. yeah, and so that's been really really great. Um, but I think it's really kind of my son is an old soul. I mean, he came out wearing a cardigan, like it's just like <laughs> it's like a professor. But he he he's asked a lot of questions. I yeah. mean, he he asked me recently. He said, "Dad, you say that um, when we do the right thing, uh, it always works out." So I'm just trying to figure out: Did you do the right thing? Because it, it doesn't feel like uh, it's working out. And so I don't know if it's like, that's not true what you've always told me, or you didn't do the right thing, or it's something else. These are the questions that oh we're having gosh. at our at our table. These are the these are the conversations that Sarah and you know when I'm on the road traveling, she's navigating through, and she's yeah. in, so gifted and amazing. But it's there. You, you just remember, it's not just us 
but it's the collateral damage and how all of us were very, very perceptive or just crappy interpreters of reality and what we perceive, but it's the stories that we tell. And so, you know, when Emerson asked me that, I just, you know, looked at him and said, hey, when mom was pregnant with Mercy, it was the hardest pregnancy ever, mm -hmm. but she would never, never question it um, when she held mercy for the first time, it was all worth it. Yeah. And I, I don't know what it's going to be like when we hold mercy, uh, in the future. Right. And I, I'm not going to say it was all worth it, but I'm hoping, I'm believing, I'm choosing to see that it will be just like mercy was for us. Yeah. And he's like, I hope you're right. Oh <laughs> so, my said. so, so again, that's, that's kind of the conversations we're having at, uh, in our home, but I think trying to give them a healthy roadmap to not stuff like I did a lot of my sadness and feelings or or put that onto, you know, the golden calves in our life, but to yeah. really begin to be honest and human to say, you have space to 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 speak what you feel and ask what you need to ask and sit with what you need to sit with. Uh, I just think that is, it's really inspiring, I would imagine, for a lot of our friends raising kids that you don't have to hide. They don't need to know every detail, I'm sure. Yeah, totally, they don't. totally. But you don't have to hide your sadness or, you, I mean, you can't hide moving cities. Right. But, right. but it just like, I think, man, when Emerson's 25, he will be more patient with God hmm. because of what y'all are letting them process right now at 13. I hope so. So that's, yeah. that's amazing, Steve. Yeah. yeah. Um, they seem like great kids. And Sarah is an incredible writer in her own right. My gracious. She's, she really, really is. I mean, she's, she, uh, she is thoughtful. She, I mean, she just will ask questions that just just draw out the best in yeah. you. But the way that she can just uh, put feelings to paintings that she creates yeah. or to oh, writings, I, I mean, yeah, too. it's just amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, we can't go without talking sports for a minute. Come on, let's go. College football's back. Yeah. And people are going to be in the stands, which is great. How's Michigan going to do? Uh, so I think Michigan is going to be a second or third place team in the Big Ten. Okay. Um, I don't think Who else is in the Big Ten? Talk to me. Is that up there? Yeah. Um, it's all up there? Ohio State is going to be good. We've got six teams that are ranked right now in the top 25 out of the Big Gee Ten. Whiz. So, so it's um, Big Ten and SEC up there? Yeah. Those are yeah. those are the two. Those are yeah. going to be the two. I mean, you'll, you'll get uh, Clemson and ACC or Oklahoma, yeah. you know, this year. But really, those are those are your squads. Yeah. But, um, I, we, there was a kid in high school, his name was JJ McCarthy. He was in Illinois. Uh, I watched him play in high school and this kid is special. Huh. He went to IMG Academy in Florida. Um, and then that? that's like, a because Illinois didn't have football. Uh, so he went to Florida, transferred there and it's, wow. it's an academy okay. for like stud athletes. Got it. And he dominated, went to Michigan. So he's a freshman this year. I oh, think he you're gets, ready. This, you're... <laughs> this is, this is like the, the. <laughs> The kind of Tua moment, the yeah. Justin Fields as a yeah. Georgia fan, Jake Fromm. Like, I can be with you on a Tua you, moment. You, know, you recall it happened exact, against us, us in yes, the national I, championship. You, so I'm like, I'm like, give us two years. Okay. Give us three years. I think when JJ has the keys. Is he a quarterback? He's a quarterback. Oh, he's special. Are, he's we're special. all done for. Yeah, yeah that's special. great. So the, I, you know, I just, you know, when you walked in, I just talked to Kirk Herbstreet and having Kirk Herbstreet on the show just had me having and all these in my feelings about how Saturday mornings feel when you, when it's <sighs> like. There's a bite in the air and you can like open up your doors or windows and I have like patio doors that I open up and just put sports center, not sports center, just put 
Saturday game day on yes. college game day, and oh man, it's just one of the best feelings, isn't it? There's nothing. There's nothing like Midwest and Southern Falls. I mean, yeah. just in the sense of like Saturday mornings. I mean, just like yeah. the leaves changing, football. I mean, I, I mean those noon games when you used to go tailgate at seven a.m. What on. were we doing? <laughs> what were we doing? What is your sport of choice? Is football the top one? Um, you talk about all of them really well, right? Uh, football is like I love, I love it, but football and basketball are probably the oh, top yeah, two. Huge, huge basketball fan, so. Sorry, yeah. I, that's yeah. hard. For, I mean, I was a, we don't have it here, number one. That's right. Number two, I grew up in Atlanta, and it was the Hawks, which Dominique Wilkins, Spud Webb, like, in, we when I was little, it was great. Yep. I saw Michael Jordan play one time nice. in against the Hawks, but I just have never, sorry. Yeah. We were a highlight factory for a while, and, and they were great this yeah. year. Okay, so real quick, just because you got Georgia. Sure. Uh, and then for Bulldogs. You, you're also a huge soccer fan. Yeah, totally. Huge so EPL fan. team? Uh, Arsenal. Arsenal. Who's wow. Or do you I, have one? I'm a Liverpool. Oh, of course. Okay, so yeah, and yeah. listen, Klopp is one of my like oh, heroes. I think the world of him. And one of my favorite players plays on that team, Ox Chamberlain. Well I done. love him. Oh my goodness. I think he's great. I think he's very talented. I think we he just needs something. He needs one push over the cliff that'll make him a superstar. Yes. He yes. just hasn't had that push yet. Yes. I, he's very good though. Yep. He's incredible to watch. So he was on Arsenal. He was. Yep. And then yep. he went over yep. to Liverpool. The but, whole mantra of you never walk alone too. It just feels feels like, you know, why, like why wouldn't you be a Have Liverpool you seen fan? Him play? in real life? I've not seen him play in real life. Yeah, so neither. I just, I would love to. It's so hard to get, to get seats over there, but yes. um, someday I'm going to yeah. make it happen. Okay. Liverpool. That's great. We can throw ourselves a little another wager yeah. in the future because <laughs> Liverpool and Arsenal, well, not this year. Let's not because we're having a tough start. A tough start. Tough, tough start, start for so. those, uh, those gunners. Um, yeah. So Georgia Bulldogs, Atlanta Falcons. Okay. Though Sorry. I try with the Titans. I oh, mean, yeah. I like, I'm here. I'll go to games. Yeah. I'm very for it. They're going to be great this year. My entire wardrobe is red and black. Yeah. I mean, Arsenal, Georgia, Falcons. That's right. I've just never worn another color. And yep. so this baby blue situation and navy, it's just not me. But now we have Julio. So who can, who can be beat that? A, that he and Derrick Henry. Yeah. I mean, just you sit there and you're like, what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? And so. I, Corey, Davis Corey Davis was here last year. And I just, he's been here for a couple of years. As yeah. a, I know him as a human. Cool. He's a wonderful human. Yep. I was very sad to see him yep. go. Yep. And it feels like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like he was one of the things we lost to gain Julio. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, which, 100%, I, which yep. is a sad trade for me. The business of it all is always yeah. like, that's it's hard. It's hard to get tied to these people. And then you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, your Cubs? Cubs, Clippers, which is a train wreck. Uh, it's Because when I grew up in California, sure. the cheaper seats and you can Got see it. all your favorite okay. players. Clippers. And then all things Michigan. So yeah, Michigan football. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, but not the not Detroit other things. No, I would say you know for me it's probably more the Bears, Raiders, kind of growing up. Uh, but I've always like I always like Chicago. I You're love such Jordan. Eighties guy, I know. Bears don't, and Raiders, don't, don't, get don't, out of here. Don't, 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 also, don't. Buffalo Bills yeah. is that your other team? No. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> And the Braves, and the you can Bra like the no, Braves no, back no. then. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, I'm I'm Atlanta almost all the way through, except I tried to do and Nashville SC. Nashville's oh, yeah, my yeah, soccer yeah. team because we didn't. Atlanta didn't exist. With Moses, so. I love it. I right. love it. It was awesome. Oh, he's great. Cool. So yeah. Um, is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to make sure we say? No, you're awesome. This okay. is great. It yeah. was so fun. Thank you. I feel like we, I feel like we journeyed in a way. This does not happen every episode, wow. but it felt like, like when I'm reflecting back on it, I'm thinking, man, we walked through some conversations that are going to walk people through some stuff. Cool. And that means a lot to me. So thank you for doing that. I cannot wait for people to get the thing beneath the thing. It is like 
It is very good. Thank you. So if they don't have it already, they may have it already because I told every single person (laughs) in the world to buy it. Okay, the last question we always ask. Because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. Well, I would say I'm a huge fan of healthy escapes. And so, again, Yeah, you do a great job teaching that in the book. Yeah, yeah, so sports for me has been a healthy escape. I think concerts coming back. And so, um, but the the latest, probably funnest thing for me was I was at – the USA Gold Cup. And we <gasps> beat Mexico. Yes. And the goal happened right in front of us. No. So, Did so, you lose your mind? Oh, I lost my mind. Oh, I'm sure. So I just, I think anytime that I can have a moment just to like be with people and celebrate after a couple of years not having that. Yes. Um, obviously trying to be smart and safe, but like the the heart of it is just going, yeah. that brings me so much joy. Uh, one of my Sabbath practices is cheering for sports. Oh, that's great. Because I can give my full uh, to every other thing I do, this is true for every person. Every other thing I do, uh, I am in a battle that uh, that I affect, right? I if you know against the enemy, against the, all the things. We're like everything we're doing. We're trying to advance a team that we are on. Yes. When I lose my mind cheering for Nashville SC or for the Georgia Bulldogs, I am, I am advancing a thing that I have no control. No of. control. So it is just pure letter rip tater chip screaming because. I can't control. I have no, it does not affect the outcome at all. I do not. I just get to be a part of it. Yes. And the rest of my life doesn't feel like that. So it's actually a real Sabbath thing for me uh, to watch sports. So. I, 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 I've never heard someone describe it like that, but all I can say is 100%. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So um, when can I be a guest on the home team podcast? I mean, I feel like you need to be our SEC correspondent. Oh, oh my gosh. In a heartbeat. I just Do think, you need one? I just feel like, oh hey, my gosh. we're going to go to... Can you do that for me? Oh, I'll get the... We'll we'll pull up that Georgia... Um, there's a song at the beginning that the trumpet... The trumpet oh, yes, yes, plays. yes. We'll do that every time when you call me. That'll be your bat signal that you need me on the show. <laughs> Anytime, I'm ready. I can talk down every coach that Nick Saban has trained oh, and released oh. across the SEC. It's fascinating. We don't have time for this. I'm doing it anyway. I mean... It is amazing how Nick Saban has trained all these men to go and coach against him. Who's going to be the next Nick Saban? And is the SEC eventually going to split into two SECs that are against him? I, I, have all the I mean, about it. The, the the Bible verse I like to quote is "Get behind me, Saban," <laughs> because like I I just this is unbelievable what it's he's been able to do. It's yeah. it's amazing. Is so. he does Spurrier come close to him in legacy? No. No. Nobody does. He's the other one that I think of when I think of like, I wish he'd retire. <laughs> I remember thinking that in college. Like, I just, I don't want anything bad to happen to Spurrier. Right. I just want him to stop leading teams that we are yeah. our school plays. Totally, totally, <laughs> That's totally. all I thought. Oh, Steve, well, I love you. I'm thankful for you. Thanks for being a part of this. Thank you. And Thanks for your friendship. Well, it means the world. Same. Oh, friends, isn't he the best? My gracious, isn't Steve Carter the best? Hey, be sure to grab a copy of The Thing Beneath the Thing and make sure you're following Steve and tell him thanks for being on the show. And while you're at it, don't forget to pick up your tickets to the That Sounds Fun Tour. We're hitting the Gulf Coast, the East Coast, the West Coast, and we cannot wait to see you at one of these stops in October. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. And I think that's it for us this week, friends. What a good week of conversations. Y'all loved it. So you go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. I will do the same. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you back here on Monday with our friend and one of our favorite cookbook authors and now a memoir author, Danielle Walker. We'll see you guys then. Y'all have a good weekend. Yeah.